Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. On August 24th, 1814, during the War of 1812, British troops breached U.S. defenses and stormed the United States Capitol building in Washington, D.C. On January 6th, 2021, this past Wednesday, it happened again. For only the second time in our nation's history, a group of insurrectionists pushed through barricades and stormed the U.S. Capitol building. There are so many things wrong with what happened on Wednesday. And I've already spoken to many of them on social media and in other places. But this morning, I want to focus on what I find to be the most disturbing part. And that is that many of those who breached the United States Capitol did so not in spite of their Christian faith, but because of it. Just look at video or pictures from the riot and you'll see avowed white supremacists carrying the Christian flag. You'll see people wearing In God We Trust t-shirts as they shove police officers to the ground. And even a huge banner bearing the name of Jesus hung outside the Capitol by a group of insurrectionists after they had broken in. If you haven't seen what I'm talking about, I brought a little picture collage that I think is worth a thousand words. Atlantic religion writer Emma Green covered the riot. She said, the name of God was everywhere during Wednesday's insurrection against the American government. The mob carried signs declaring, Jesus saves and God guns and guts made America, let's keep all three. All of these Christian symbols marched side by side with hateful and racist emblems like nooses, Nazi logos, and Confederate flags. What happened on Wednesday is so beyond partisan politics. It goes so much deeper than who you voted for or why you voted for them. This is about our faith. This is about the name and reputation of Jesus Christ. Here's the question Christians in America must wrestle with right now. How can people believe violently storming the United States Capitol is compatible with Christianity? Now, there's a temptation to kind of shrug off that question by saying things like, ah, they were just a few bad apples. Those people they're not truly Christians. Or my favorite, that's not who we really are. But that simply isn't true. What happened this week may not reflect who we hope to be, but it is exactly who we are right now. And we cannot get where we want to go without first telling the truth about where we are. Most of the New Testament scriptures were written by a guy named Paul. For a long time, Paul was this radical persecutor of Christians. He quite literally hunted them from town to town and even had many of them killed. But then, 
Everything changed. Paul had a life-altering experience with Jesus, and he went from killing Christians to being one. He went from shutting down churches to starting new ones. And as an older pastor, later in his life, Paul wrote a few letters to a younger pastor he was mentoring, a guy named Timothy. And those letters are included in our New Testament still to this day. In his second letter, Paul warns Timothy of exactly what we are seeing in the American church today. Here's what he says. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, and y'all, I believe it is here. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We are currently watching this warning from Paul become a frightening reality. People are gathering around teachers, many of them pastors and Christian leaders, willing to feed them convenient myths to match their worldview instead of telling them the truth about Jesus. Many American Christians have turned their ears away from the truth and embraced a whole mess of lies. And if you want to see what Paul meant when he says people will not put up with sound doctrine, meaning they will attack any truth that pushes back against their beliefs, just look at the comment section of every pastor who spoke out against what happened this week. Wednesday's riot was not an aberration. It was a revelation. The amount of Christian nationalism, white supremacy, and hatred present in the church today should drive us all to lament. Wednesday was just the very public culmination of what far too much of American Christianity has become. I'm grateful for faith leaders who have spoken out this week, including the director of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, a guy named Paul Baxley. In an article he published on Thursday entitled, Let's Begin by Telling the Truth, Paul writes this, Who we follow, we who follow Jesus, must begin by telling the truth. Because those who carried out the insurrection carried Christian flags, crosses, and banners invoking the name of Jesus alongside Confederate flags. They offered a vivid demonstration of the danger of Christian nationalism and made clear their commitment to white supremacy. They gave the impression that, in all of this, they were faithful to Jesus. But the truth is far different. I agree with Paul. It is time to tell the truth about who we are so that we may become who Jesus has called us to be. It is time to tell the truth about who we are right now so that someday we can become who Jesus has called us to be. It was Jesus, you know, who famously said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I've seen this verse co-opted and used to defend all kinds of horrible things, including the violent insurrection on Wednesday. 
Someone on social media actually quoted it to me. They said the rioters were just searching for the truth about the election, and once it, would, it was found, it would set everyone free. Are you kidding me? But that's what happens when you just claim the name of Jesus instead of actually following him. That's what happens when the words of Jesus are just written on signs instead of embedded into our hearts. Did you know that quote from Jesus is actually only half of what he said? It's the second part of an if-then statement he makes. Here's the whole thing. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, if you actually follow me and put into practice my way of living, then and only then will you know the truth. And that truth is the one that will set you free. So what is this teaching that Jesus references here? This instruction he tells us to hold on to. Well, thankfully, it isn't hard to find. In fact, Jesus spends his entire recorded life telling us about and modeling this teaching. We've learned about it all throughout our year in the life of Jesus, but we see it most explicitly, I think, the night of the Last Supper. During this time of teaching, after they finished dinner, Jesus clearly and beautifully lays out this truth. He starts by reminding us of who he is. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we don't have to wonder what the truth is. Jesus has told us. We don't have to go looking for the right way to live. Jesus has shown us. But he hasn't just revealed this truth. He's given us everything that we need to live by it. He's empowered us to take steps toward it. Jesus goes on, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of what? Truth. Now, Jesus' emphasis on truth here is impossible to overlook. He's already said, right, that he himself is the truth and that following this truth will set us free. Now Jesus says that this spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, is sent to every one of his followers. What does this spirit of truth do? He goes on, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The spirit of truth reminds us of Jesus' truth and empowers us to live out his teaching. So again, what is this teaching? This instruction upon which everything else is built. Here it is. Jesus says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's it. That's the foundational truth upon which the way of Jesus is built. Love each other as Jesus has loved us. That is the truth meant to set us free and which beautifully comes alive all over the pages of the New Testament scriptures. We don't have to wonder what it means to be a Christian or what it looks like to follow Jesus. The truth is right there in black and white. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's accounts of Jesus' life are filled to the brim with examples of what it looks like to love others the way Jesus has loved us. Y'all, if we are going to call ourselves Christians, this is the truth we must live our lives by. 
And if this truth ever comes into conflict with our worldview or our belief systems, we must choose the way of Jesus over everything else. Anyone who believes violently storming the Capitol building is compatible with Christianity has either never heard the truth of Jesus or they have willingly traded it for a lie. You know how I know? Because we can't claim a race or ethnicity has supremacy over another when we know the truth of Jesus. Because when the angels announced his birth, they said it was good news of great joy for all people. Not some people, not white people, not rich people, all people. We can't condone violence when we know the truth of Jesus. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he condemns violence even against someone who is illegally arresting him. Jesus tells his followers, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. We can't hate our enemies when we know the truth of Jesus. Because in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, love your enemies. And then later, he modeled it as he prays for God to forgive his murderers as they nail him to the cross. We can't ignore the plight of the poor and the oppressed when we know the truth of Jesus. Because in his first sermon, Jesus lays out his mission statement saying he was sent by God to bring good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed. We can't turn our backs on the hungry, the thirsty, the immigrant, or the incarcerated when we know the truth of Jesus. Because in Matthew 25, he tells us that when we serve those folks, we are actually serving him. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And y'all, I'm just scratching the surface walking through these things. It all comes back to that same foundational teaching. We cannot defy the command to love others as Jesus has loved us when we know the truth. Scripture says whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the truth. And it is not up for debate. As Flannery O'Connor said, the truth does not change based on our ability to stomach it. Jesus is not someone we can claim in name and not follow in lifestyle. It does not work like that. So what now? Where do we go from here? Well, I want to make our next steps as simple as possible. So I'm just going to challenge each and every Christian to do two things. Number one, tell the truth. And number two, live by the truth. Tell the truth and live by the truth. Let me break them down for us quickly. First, we must tell the truth. As I said earlier, that means being honest about the amount of Christian nationalism, white supremacy, and hatred present in American Christianity today. But it also means being honest about our own complicity. Here's Paul Baxley again. It is not enough to speak truth about what we have seen. 
we must also speak truth about ourselves. Have we participated in creating the violence that spilled over yesterday? Have we spoken words or acted in ways that perpetuate lies, feed insecurities, take liberties with truth, spread baseless conspiracies, or attack those who differ from us? Have we, by our silence or inaction, allowed injustice, dishonesty, and demonization to fester in the name of maintaining order, avoiding confrontation, or keeping the peace? 